I want to go ahead and tee up for you guys this podcast episode. This is the full-length keynote that I gave at the Fittest of the Coast Seminar earlier in March this year, 2020. And I was asked to come on out and talk to a group of micro gym owners about where I saw the future of the micro gym industry going. Obviously, this is when you know pre-COVID, pre-COVID really hitting the the entire United States as hard as it has now sitting here going into April. But I wanted to go ahead and tee up this content for you guys. I think you'll still find it very insightful because at the end of the day, this is a temporary situation. We are going to make it through this and the world, though albeit differently, is going to need to continue on and we are going to need smart, intelligent micro gym owners to take their business and uh, and resurrect it and and do it better than we did before. So I really hope you guys enjoy this future of the micro gym industry keynote that I gave in a what you know looking back on was a very very timely fashion. Guys, enjoy. It's a long one. Let me know your thoughts. This is intimate enough. I'm not a big mic guy, so this is this is way better. First off, guys, thank you so much for coming out. I appreciate it. It's fucking. It's late. It's a Saturday. Some you know. I don't know how many of you guys were here at this thing all day, but uh, these competitions, they're, they're weekend suck, and you don't get a lot of free time as a gym owner. The weekends are precious. You get that one or two classes, and then it's fucking home free, time with your family, so to spend time and coming out here and do all this, this is cool as fuck, so thank you so much. Big thanks to Donnie and Kyle for giving me the opportunity to come down and speak with you guys. I don't know if any of you guys have ever come through Charlotte, ever popped by my place, or we've ever communicated in a DM on Instagram or in a, you know, a forum or anything like that, or you've commented on a video. Um, but yeah, I'm Stu. I own a gym in Charlotte, North Carolina. I found CrossFit in 2006. Uh, that journey took me to having a few businesses before opening my brick and mortar CrossFit gym. Um, I had that, we did a great job. We went from, I knew nobody in Charlotte, North Carolina in 1300 square feet, grew it to a very successful, profitable gym. And then I decided to get into commercial real estate. I bought a building in Charlotte, North Carolina, which was a, a huge uh, 18 month, just pain in my ass, but it was one of the best decisions ever made. Simultaneously, one of the hardest when I rebranded and went away from CrossFit and I got rid of the CrossFit name and I went a completely different route. And there's a lot of content that's already out there that's, um, that's kind of discussed the whys and the ins and outs and that. But what it really allowed me to do in the beginning when I started doing that, I realized I had to start looking around and allow me to start traveling and fucking around with other models, things that weren't CrossFit, because I've never been in any of your fucking gyms, but if I walked in there, I bet you they kind of look like this. It's as if we all got a CrossFit kit when you got your affiliation. Here you go, put your rogue banners here, right? Dumbbells on the floor over here, right? The bathroom's gonna kind of look like this. Get some fucking wall ball targets. Like we all, it's like it as if we got a kit, like a franchise kit, and we didn't. We're all independent, have our own flavor and style. And what I think a lot of us are seeing digitally, whether maybe you see me talking about a metabolic, or you see what Solus is doing in New York, or what NC Fit and Jason are doing in San Diego, you start, oh, that is a better way to do it. Like if you ever see someone like come up with a unique way to store some equipment, right? Or maybe you see me pour Flex Seal on the cracks of the mats. Like, oh, fuck, there's a different way to do it. And that's what I really think I bring to the table for the CrossFit guys and any of the micro gyms out there. There's a different way to do it. And I've been fortunate enough with my evolution into urban movement and going away from CrossFit to see a lot of different ways. Um, and that's what I do now. I help micro gym owners look at their problems a little bit differently than maybe they would have. I ask them what one plus one is. They say two and I say, fuck off, it's 11 and let's, uh, let's maybe look at this through a different lens.
Okay? So for today, we're going to be jamming on what I consider the future of the micro gym industry. How many of you guys here were in the fitness industry, a fitness professional, a coach, an exercise physiology major? Somehow you were in fitness. You knew this is what you were going to do with the rest of your life from the time you were younger. Raise your hand if this has always been on your career path. Raise your hand high. Cool. Raise your hand if you, you like literally 10, 15 years ago, if, you, if someone would have told you this is what you're doing with your life, you'd be like, no, I am no fuck, no way, no way. That's the majority of us though. It's so interesting. I run into these extremely passionate guys and girls. I'm like, how long have you been doing this? And they're like, five years. I'm like, holy fuck. And you jumped in head first. Bravo. But what I think a lot of you guys miss out on is really understanding the history of where the fuck we've come from. And that is one thing I really pride myself on, is understanding the history of brick and mortar fitness, where it's come from. And if you do that, you start noticing trends repeat themselves. You know, when we look at really the actual history of where we come from fitness-wise, it's really easy to predict and kind of guess what's gonna happen next or what's gonna pick up. And there's a lot of things, and you guys will all get this PowerPoint, I'm gonna email it to all of you. You'll have access to all this stuff, take it back, try to re, you know, recite this back to your coaches and your staff. But there's a lot of things that happened way, way before CrossFit hit the scene, before you started you know, having your fitness epiphany, right? Curves, does anyone remember curves or had a mom or an aunt that went to curves? Curves took selectorized equipment Leg extension, the tricep thing, like all that bullshit, it's selectorized equipment. They put it in a circle, said women only, charged the premium, and played some funky ass music. And women literally, like it was like musical, just went around in a circle at stations in circles. Fastest growing fitness franchise in the world until Orange Theory. There's a lot you can learn about curves. Uh, when there was uh, 10,000 of them, and now there's, you couldn't even find 350 of them today. Is that Orange Theory? Is that you? Is that CrossFit? So there's things to look at and kind of start thinking, what has repeated, what's gonna repeat history-wise? Right, so CrossFit goes ahead and, you know, originally Cross-Fit is what it was originally, um, uh, I think, incorporated as in 2006, but you know, it changes the CrossFit, Glassman does his thing with it, and we're sitting now, today, with 15,000 affiliates worldwide, but that's not impressive in my opinion. It's not impressive. Three, any of you fuckers, can go and open a gym, you've proven it. You all had different goddamn jobs, you were a, a banker, you were you know, an accountant, and now you own a gym. 15,000 people, the majority of what you are very representative of the majority, just decided to go open up a gym. Fucking put that name on top of a building and I'm a fitness professional, come on in, let me coach you and change your life. And you're doing that. The change in the life part. I'm worried your life's not really changing. If it is, it's maybe not changing for the better. There's, it's becoming a stress, it's a love-hate thing. And you get to a point sometimes where you dread rolling up those bay doors, right? There's not enough profit in it, things like that. And what I start seeing at that 15,000 number, we're starting to see numbers domestically drop off. You'll see Asia increase exponentially. But I think that Orange Theory number is way more impressive because there's a $350,000 price tag on it. You have to buy, you sometimes have to buy real estate. You have to go in with multiple people. I look at stuff like that. The franchise model of the more sophisticated micro gym is more indicative of me of what we could be learning versus another CrossFit popping up. And like a lot of you guys, how many of you guys are a CrossFit gym that grew or acquired or because the previous owner tapped out, couldn't get it done, whatever. You guys are like the second iteration, version 2.0 of your CrossFit gym from a previous owner, something like that. It's a lot of us. Right? Like I took it over, that owner bailed or we, we absorbed him or it was an A&M or whatever it may be. 
So there's a lot here, guys, and there's a really good book. It's called Temple, I believe it's called Temple of Perfection. Shoot me a DM, I'll get it for you. And it is a great history from Roman, Greek times, and fucking Caesar up and down, and the Olympics and stuff, to where we are now, and Jane Fonda with fitness, and you know, CrossFit coming out at OCR racing, and now you have the, the orange theories and alchemies of the world and all that. It's a great look at kind of where we're going fitness-wise. You can start seeing some of those trends. And my goal is that when you guys look at stuff like that um, and you look at your gym, you don't look at them as us versus them. You, we're, all, we're all in it. We're all brick and mortar fitness. We're all the same. How we deliver it is different, okay? And we start looking at where things have gone. When we all started, and well, even Jack LaLanne and the first Gold's Gym out in Venice, small, shoddy little facilities. Right, real small. They didn't get big till that very first like mega gold's gym happened out in California. So they got big, Globo Gym, right? That's that's what we all call that, Globo Gym. Big ass footprint, open gym model. And then they got small again. CrossFit came out, curves came out. We started taking up in the very beginning, there weren't ten thousand square foot CrossFit you know, warehouses. They were eighteen hundred, two thousand, three thousand. And then we got bigger. Because CrossFit gyms believe that to grow the business, you have to grow the building. And I think it's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. You can't. It's like, man, we're making so much money. Let's spend it all on rent. Oh, we're making so much money. Let's buy more equipment. I want every client to have a rower. These ideas and some of the things that kind of grew with this, what is a perfect CrossFit gym? And it's not our fault. We didn't know any better because nobody else had done it. We were just all like, oh, well, yeah, no. I wish I'd have this whole area and 15 Olympic weightlifting platforms for my Olympic weightlifting class, and this side's gonna have this. We didn't know any fucking better. We're just throwing shit against the wall, waiting for it to stick, and I'm, I'm here today to tell you, not a lot of the good ideas have stuck. Some of them have, and a lot of us are doing them, and maybe you've seen me talk about it or whatever it is, but we're getting back to small. Footprints are gonna go smaller. Does anyone, anyone have a lease that's coming up for renewal soon in their building within the next three years? Your lease is coming up for renewal. That's something, hopefully you have something good locked in. Hopefully that's not something that you're fearful of. I get that text or DM at least once a month. My lease is coming up for renewal, I'm fucked. I got in in 2010 when the landlord would fucking give me a hand job and a fucking you know, half rate off on rent to take it because it was post crash and he couldn't rent out his fucking shitty industrial building and he was just excited to have me who I was blown away because there was three bay doors. Like that got me off. But now it's 2020. Commercial rates are crazy expensive. In my town, in Charlotte, I've got four CrossFit gyms all having to relocate good businesses because they can't afford the rent anymore. It's why I bought in Charlotte, because I, I refuse to be a victim of that. Now, buying is not an option. It's honestly not a great option for a lot of people, but what is what we do need to accept is I looked on the floor today, and I was like, fuck, this place is organized. Look how nice and neat and organized everything is. And generally, you guys get this high level of organization in your class when you have a competition. And then class happens, next week comes, it's fucking chickens with their head cut off, kind of a little bit more chaotic, not as organized. That's one thing we'll talk about today is this idea of operational capacity. I think micro gyms are gonna be going that route. You're gonna realize you have got to do more with less. When you don't have the money for a bigger space and all this other shit, you don't have the resources, you have to become more fucking resourceful. And I think we're gonna look and start seeing a lot of that happening. Um, just again, just to, as a real quick, I wanna, I'm gonna blow through this quick, but again, look at where they were Right, these high operational capacity models and very large footprints, and then look at where we were and the little mini independent micro gyms and personal training studios. Boom, two opposite ends of the spectrum back in the day. Now this is the scenario. You've got mega brands of micro gyms doing triple, quadruple, sextuple, whatever, so the amount of revenue that you do, 
creating more careers than you are in a fraction of your space. And there's this white space that's now being created between the CrossFit barbell, micro gym model, strength and conditioning, things that te technically are CrossFit, but they don't call it CrossFit. And then these more boutique brands. I, on my way, uh, when I got a coffee earlier, I passed Hilo, F45, and Orange Theory all literally within, I don't know, a mile and a half of each other. Within two miles, consecutive, if you were in a two mile spot here and go out in a circle. Easily, yeah. 20 gyms. Easily. That boutique model is very, very attractive to VCs and people with money. It does really well. And there's certain models, we'll talk about that, a straight the class model versus a PT first model, which is what I like for CrossFit gyms. But you guys have got to realize this is the new scene. This is what it was. Back in the day, it was Globo Gym and us. Uh-uh. None of your clients, you're getting clients from Globo Gyms, but that's not your competitor anymore. That's not who you're worried about. You're like, fuck, the Globo Gym just installed new fucking Stairmaster. Like, you don't give a shit. But F45 opens up down the block from you. That will be a conversation you will have with your coaches and your husband or wife and yourself internally. Like, oh, fuck. What are we going to do? So this is the new scene. The current state of union, here's some beliefs of what I believe we currently have today. You can't rely on the differences of, oh, well, we give you personalized attention. Gold's gym is just, that you don't get to you know, hang your hat on that anymore. That was an easy selling point for me in 2010. It's not anymore. Everybody is doing some version of constantly varied functional movement at high intensity. Orange Theory calls it group personal training. I'm sorry, small group personal training. Small group, they can go 36 to one. It's not fucking small group. The market doesn't know, market doesn't care. It said small group personal training, and fucking Kyle, you know, gave me a pat on the butt when I came in and gave me a high five and gave me a few attaboys. Kyle's great, he's an awesome coach. So you, the, the things that used to make us so different aren't anymore, okay? Um, more brands entering in with more money, that's a huge issue. Uh, <laughs> sales, these brands that are coming in, it's not just that Orange Theory has great lights and Barry's has better you know, bathrooms than you. Their entire team is trained in sales. You have coaches right now, you're here right now, and you're probably the best salesman in the building. And if we were to rewind, let's say this was a 6 a.m. or a, a, noon, a, a noon seminar, and at your gym, a prospect walked in, you all have a coach on your staff like, oh, fuck, I hope he's not talking to him. You all have some coach on staff that you would not trust with the sales. Because like, well, I don't want to sell. I just want to coach. That's fine. But when you're here, the business barely, probably survives. But unless you have a team at home that can sell, it will not thrive. It has to be able to grow without you. Whenever I do one of these you know, speaking seminars, I ask, I'm so glad you were able to come out and take the weekend off to come here. That means you must have some shit right at home HR-wise. But is your business thriving, meaning growing? Do you go home to more money, more members, or did it just not burn down? Like, oh, it's okay. That is one of the biggest issues I see right now. These facilities are opening up with people who all know how to sell, who know how to talk about the brand, and give a fuck. You might have some part-time coaches that give a fuck in that one hour when they come in and coach, and maybe the hour before that that they work out, and then they bounce out because they've got a nine to five. They're a part-time coach kind of scenario. That's the biggest, one of my, the things that scare me the most is the amount of HR efforts the other brands are putting in. Not the fancy fucking signs and the fucking TVs and the equipment. It is the effort they're putting into the people. When a lot of us are running one-man operations, two-man operations, maybe three-man operations. SaaS products and micro, you know, fucking sugar wad and all these things. There's more flex, like, um, you know, up launch, there, you know, tribe. There's more software now available to help us than there's ever been before. Um, technology is, is not mainstream enough to where everyone needs to run and get polar heart rate monitors. I don't think you guys need to be doing that. Don't worry about that yet. That's still a beta, beta fucking thing. 
more brands are doing no heart rate based training than are. Right, more brands are doing not heart, more successful brands. I know Orange Theory is the one we always think of, but it, still, it's not mainstream yet. Facility aesthetics and CX is a, a huge pain point. I went into the men's bathroom and there's a giant vase with some fucking poopery looking thing and some, you had a glass jar, some fucking figs and sticks and green. It looked great. It was fucking phenomenal. I was like, that, Donnie, you're a classy motherfucker. That's a, it's a great little addition. <laughs> That's her fault. That, okay, I was gonna say, Donnie's not the classy motherfucker. Yeah, shit. <laughs> So it's like it's it's little things like that. Gyms are taking a little bit more effort. Instead of buying that second GHD, they're thinking maybe a new coat of paint. They're thinking maybe a new front desk. How many who here and it's okay, who does not have a front desk in the business? Raise your hand. Like you don't have a central point of contact. That's this is the only time I've ever done this where someone has not raised their hand. That's typical oh okay, yeah. And it's one of those things where you think about it and it's a little thing like that, but every business in the world has a central point of contact when you walk in, especially in a CrossFit gym where you have multiple openings to let air flow in because we generally don't have air conditioning or heat. What a crazy idea, but one, two, three. Where the fuck do I walk in? Who do I talk to? I walked in the middle of a class and now I have this confused look on my face and I have instantly, first impression, shitty client experience. Like, well, it's okay. We still get people in like that. They figure it out. Sure. Do you know how many people you would probably get in if you, they didn't have to fucking figure it out? You walk into any other business, there's a central point of contact. That's just little things like that and investing in, it, in something as much as wood and paint and time in a weekend versus going to Wadapalooza. No offense if you went to Wadapalooza, but like, again, maybe the money would have been best spent elsewhere. Um, marketing gurus, members on demand, how many people here have run a six-week challenge? Six-week challenge or some fucking variation of it. Some get members quick. Some dude on the internet, maybe with a mustache, convinced you to go ahead and do this, this six-week challenge thing, right? And I, you got, you, I'm talking about Alex Ramosi. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Alex and what he's done. I'm not a big fan of gym owners believing it is a solution or a business model. It is just one fucking marketing play. You run it once, twice a year. And I got gym owners like, Hitting that fucking button. You ever see like in the movies, like someone's got it, you know, they're in the hospital and that IV drip and they're getting the morphine and the fucking morphine won't come out quick enough and they're in pain? That's the gym owner to these six week challenges. More, 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 more. It was nice having a big hit. But that, my friends, as I don't know if any of you guys have seen any of the cautionary tales out there, um, it's one of the biggest things that's hurting most gyms. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. All right, so here's the three things I want you to leave with today. Here are the three things you can do to get ahead. Brand over everything. We're gonna talk about that. You will not be able to compete in a marketing paying for Facebook ads world like the other guys. You can still do it, you need to still do it, but you're not gonna be able to compete with them for long. Just fuck, I mean like the amount of money that Orange Theory and them throw into the, the funnel and the Facebook is still minimal. And there's gonna be 10 more different Orange Theories in the next 10 years, 10 different brands. They're gonna throw money into it. You're not gonna be able to compete with that. So you have to compete on brand. You don't need a million people to know who you are. You're not Planet Fitness who needs to sponsor the fucking hats in Times Square on New Year's Eve. You need 200 people within your radius to know your fucking face, what it is you do, and actually like it. Can talk about it to other people and get them to come in and try it. That means they've got to talk the same language, right? Uh, number two, decide if you're PT first or straight to class. Um, anyone here running a PT first model? Raise your hand, meaning personal training is how they get started. Cool. Raise your hand if you're doing a straight to class model. They come in, we pretty much get them straight to class or an, an onboarding. Every Tuesday, Thursday at 7 p.m. we onboard them. All right, so there's a, how the fuck do the rest of you guys get people started? Because one person raised his hand on PT first. Straight to class, meaning there's no prerequisite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So straight, 
Okay, straight to class. Cool. PT first. You do both. Cool. Kind of depends. How many of you guys um, have two models? Like we have CrossFit and we have the lighter version of CrossFit. We have like this, the, this thing of CrossFit. Whatever the fuck this light beer is. All right, cool. So you have a lighter version. Okay, it's what, it's what I call an LBE, low barrier to entry class. That's where we get them going. No barbells kind of scenario. Okay, we're going to talk about it. And then maximizing operational capacity, that's the one thing I think, um, I, I think places like Metabolic and Alchemy 365 and Orange Theory have done a phenomenal job at. Job at. All right, so branding versus marketing. Let's go ahead and make sure we understand a few things. That big thing behind me, it's an awesome logo. I fucking love it, but that is not a logo. I'm sorry, that is not a brand. That's a touch point. That is something someone visually sees and they think of that brand. Or they just look at it and be like, oh, that's the, the bridge, the Cooper Bridge. Or they see that and think of Iron Bridge. That is just a logo. It is not a brand. A brand is made within the minds and hearts and souls and experiences of your customers. When someone tells me, dude, Stu, I'm killing my branding. I'm like, no, you're not. You're doing a great job influencing your branding. Because that's all you can fucking do is influence what people think. Brand happens up here from your customers. It is not the pretty bathrooms. It's not the name of the business. It's not the cool apparel. It's just what they think of you. And if you could mic them up secretly without them knowing and listen to them in their homes, they go, yeah, I just got home from the gym. Oh no, I go to that Iron Bridge CrossFit. No, you, no, you should totally check it out. It's whatever the fuck they just said, that is your brand. It's your reputation. You're all here because apparently you don't mind a few F-bombs and my content has somewhat resonated with you. But if we could talk to some people, like that guy's an asshole, I don't like him, he swears too much. I think he's a little too aggressive. That's, that could, that's my brand, that's, my repu that's a reputation. One person says one thing, another person says another thing. That is brand, my friends, and your goal is to make it as consistent as fucking possible. Um, Marty uh, Neumeyer down here, The Brand Gap, it's a free book, it's literally just a PDF on the internet. If you don't check that out, it's very picture-based, so there's not a lot of reading. For those of you guys who don't like to read good, um, go fucking download that and read that book. It's called The Brand Gap. Some of the images I have in here is from that book. The Brand Gap by Marty Neuermeyer. I think that's how you say it. Um, branding is focusing on being seen and heard by everyone, knowing that only a very small percentage of people who see that message of yours will fucking resonate it, with it. It is the idea of going deep, not wide. Someone, you know, I had someone ask me, like, what do you do? And I'm like, I, I don't know, I have a fucking camera, and I, I swear into it, and some people listen to it, and my mom, and, like, and I get to go talk to, to some of those people that listen to it. They're like, cool, they get like 100,000 followers? I'm like, bro, I don't know, like maybe 2,000, I don't know. But my following's fucking deep. People resonate with me. My content is very specific. I'm not talking to Pilates studio owners. I'm talking to generally a micro gym owner, which is generally in this CrossFit realm. It's a very specific message. Some of you guys, have a very intense fitness program, and you talk about we're fitness for everybody. That is a very confusing message. That's not very deep. It's very wide. Fitness for everybody. Anyone can do it. This beer is not for anybody. Who would not like this beer? Okay, people with taste buds, right? So like, <laughs> this is, it's not that bad. Beer snobs. Beer snobs, people who love an IPA, would tell us to pour out this piss. That's it. Who should they not be going after? Everybody. They should be going after fit people who just got done with the CrossFit competition in the heat and want something that is not going to make them puke. They want a Mick Ultra, but without the brand of Mick Ultra. 
Mick Ultra, that's a bitch beer. Like, that's like my buddies, I order, they're like, you fucking little pussy, get a real beer. Maybe these guys are trying to be the cool, hip, more badass, light version. That, but again, that's if they want to go everybody, that message will get lost instantly. They've got to go deep on one specific kind of person. Um, a consistent focus message. And that's where, again, a lot of you guys, if we like, took the time to scroll through on social media, we'd probably find very inconsistent messages. And you just do this forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and it never fucking ends. Your entire job for the rest of your time is not running a fitness business and getting people fit. It's storytelling what you do inside of here. That's, that's your whole business. You are not a fitness company. You are a storytelling company. Because it doesn't matter what you do in here if nobody fucking knows. There's whatever, like if a mime, like a tree falls on a mime in the woods and nobody hears it, does anyone give a fuck? It's like that fucking saying. Is that even a thing? I just make that up. It's like you have got to think about everything I do in here is amazing. Who here believes they truly do offer the, a, a better fitness option than the other guys in town for the most part? You truly believe you're better than that at 45 in Orange Theory, but nobody knows who you are on the grand scale of things. It will never fucking matter. Orange Theory storytells better than you. They don't fitness better than you, but they realize that's the only thing you have to do. Storytell, get everybody in, let everyone else sort it out. You guys have got this huge barrier to entry because you don't storytell enough. We're hardwired to see, we'll notice what's only different. It's one of the reasons I think urban movements can be wildly successful because it looks unlike anything else. This is a good spot, I like this spot. I bet you it looks a lot like your spots. And if Donnie has six more of you guys open up within a mile from here, the consumer's gonna have a hard time seeing anything that's different. Oh, he's got newer bar, but nobody cares. He's got better park and nobody cares. There's got to be something that just hits somebody. I haven't seen that before. It's what we call the Jerry Maguire moment. You had me at hello. Like, fuck, you just had, like, something you said grabbed me. You've got to find out what that's gonna be. Here's a couple things. Taking a uh, focus off your brand. A lot of you guys who have done the low barrier to entry class, you've come up with your fluffy version of CrossFit while you have this hardcore thing over here. A focused brand message is like Porsche, we're a sports car. The Umbra, and if, you're in the, if you listen and do, well, watch any branding reports and critiques and stuff like that, when they started breaking out SUVs and hybrids and hatchbacks, huge, huge feedback negatively towards Porsche going away from what they were. That is a fucking sports car. That is a fucking 40-year-old midlife crisis, fucking get on the highway, hit 120. That's not what you take to pick up the seven kids from soccer. They just not. They got a lot of flack for that. You know, CrossFit, for, focus message is forging elite fitness. That's what you do in here. And if you're like, well, that's not what I want. I want fitness for everybody. Then does everybody need the overhead squat? Is there any reason to have rings that high? Do you really need all those fucking plates if it's fitness for everybody? I would argue you don't. And, it, and even if you don't believe me, just look at the volume of people coming through your doors. If you're saying to everyone, hey, this is fitness for everybody, and you're not getting, there should be literally, this, is, this seems insane, one person a day should be trying out your gym. That would be a D minus at Orange Theory. A fucking D minus. Fired GM gone. One person a day. 30 leads a month. Some of you guys would fucking stab your mother to get 30 leads right now. It's, not, it's, it's absolutely insane. Not one fucking person in your town is interested in me today. Just even enough to fucking call and give me their name, email, and phone number. That's insane. You take 30 names, put them through the funnel, maybe you end up closing 10. Maybe it's 15. Some of you guys grew by 15 and you lost six and you still have that net, that'd be a pretty good fucking year. 
these guys, uh, the, the orange theories, the, the metabolics of the world, they hyper-focus their message very so specifically, and they just stay true to it. And metabolic is my favorite case study of that. Previous CrossFit owners left CrossFit at the heyday. When, I, when all of us were, if you were in CrossFit in 2011 and 12, making, really, you know, making good money, people were aware of you as buzzworthy, and then you know, 13, 14 hit, you're still making, these guys making no money. Nobody knew what metabolic was. And they stayed on it and stayed on it and stayed on it and stayed on it. And now they're going to have 200 franchises probably in the next eight years. This got bought by a big company down in Florida. And it's just two previous affiliate owners who just saw the world as 11 instead of 1 plus 1 equals 2. They just did it differently. But they stayed consistent. They didn't have a shitty year and cry about it. And be like, no, we're going back. They stayed true to it. Consistency and in your brand message is going to win. Because being unfocused on your brand leads to decisions for short-term profit. How many of you guys did a six-week challenge and you felt dirty about it? Like you wanted to take a shower afterwards. You're like, this isn't how I would do it. I wouldn't put that ad out. I wouldn't run that shitty landing page. I wouldn't say in my ad copy, we're looking for 30 local ladies who want to come down and get their fucking you know, fupa you know, eliminated at our fluffy muffin you know, six-week challenge. You wouldn't. That wouldn't be what you would say but you went away from it because you wanted the short-term ROI of the cash. I get it. You're the same client. Why did they respond to a six-week challenge? Desperate to lose weight. Why did you go with a six-week challenge? Desperate for some cash. You're the same fucking person. Alex Ramosi did the same thing to you that you did to the client. Not that he did you wrong, or any of those six-week challenge guys, New Year, New You, whatever companies you use, Gym Rev, Gym Launch, whatever. Didn't do you wrong. They took advantage of a fragile state of money and self-esteem are two very emotional states that you can, anyone can exploit for money. This is a brand called Alchemy 365. Um, a gym out of Minneapolis has opened uh, locations out in Denver. Um, one of the best, most true to their brand. If you don't stalk them on social media, if you've never seen any of their YouTube videos where they'll literally walk you through their entire classes, like you could steal anything you wanted. Mike Jones, one of the co-founders there, one of the most open source guys I've ever met. Probably one of the best on-brand fucking micro gyms I've ever seen. This is a gym I'm working with out in California, uh, Roxfire. The owner is a fucking nerd who loves Marvel and DC Comics. So he created a brand where his avatars of his, the clients he wants in there are based on these superheroes. His classes are based on their superpowers. And he created an entire brand around it. Going from out of business as a CrossFit affiliate, we got rid of the CrossFit, we came up with his own brand, He's gone balls deep in it, and guess what? He loves it. And it's not hard for him to talk about because he owns it. That came from his head. None of you fuckers, me included, came up with CrossFit. We just thought it was dope. Loved it. Changed our lives. It's the best fitness we ever had. It's hard to talk passionately about it. And you do talk it. Like, you could talk someone's ear off. That's different. Liking something and being able to talk about it is completely different than having created it and knowing why it is the way it is. The way you talk about it is completely different. I, love, I, was, I was 06 CrossFit, probably earlier than a lot of people. I fell in love with it, boom. I skipped, I didn't walk in college. I took my last exam, got the fuck out to go work at a CrossFit gym in Nashville, Tennessee. I literally, my, I, I was going to grad school, Middle Tennessee State University. I was going there for exercise fizz. I didn't even show up. I lost my deposit and everything. Went all in on this CrossFit thing. I was as passionate as it could be. But I still can't, I couldn't then and I couldn't now describe CrossFit as well as I can urban movement. It's just a completely different thing when you actually put your own DNA into it. Again, you know, just got some images here of the urban and the things we've created in the lexicon and you know, the stuff that you stand on. And you're like, I fucking made that. 
I, and I, I can explain it to my people, and it's so passionate. I don't have to defend urban movement. No one's coming like, my uncle got hurt at an urban movement in Pennsylvania, or I saw that urban movement video where the chick was doing this. You're like, no, no, that doesn't happen at this urban movement. We're a different urban I don't have that problem anymore. I used to as a CrossFit gym, and I love the brand, but I could not any longer continue to defend it to shit I didn't do wrong. It just, that was something that I could, I didn't want to take that on as a business. I wasn't looking to fight a fight I didn't start. Stealing, so I showed you all that stuff. Go check out those gyms. You're gonna get, you're getting this PowerPoint, steal from them. But when you steal, and I, I chew people out for this all the time, I've made a literally a 45 minute movie on YouTube called Good Artists Borrow, Great Artists Steal, where I show you a bunch of different video styles from marketing companies. Different brands, different industries, and how you could steal them as a gym, and I highly recommend you go watch that. But when you steal from one person, you're a lazy fucker. When you steal from many, that's inspiration. Uh, if you have a phone, you're gonna go ahead, I want you to create today, you're gonna create uh, an album on your phone called Inspo, Inspiration, or Swipe File, I don't care what you call it. Anytime you see something, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. We've been walking around Charleston you know, all day yesterday and today, and unique, cool little shit from different companies. Fucking candlefish or whatever, ching I love that idea. This, cha-ching, steal from many. Because when you steal from one person, you're fucked when that person changes it, or you're fucked when they come after you. Do you many cease and desist I've had to send to people for hashtag sweat local people using that, and we own the trademark? It's just one of these things that when you steal from many, you also realize, oh, I liked what Stu was doing. That lifted movie, that's pretty, that's pretty clever. But fuck, then I started looking at what Alchemy was doing, and these guys, and Shred 415, and I, it gave me a different idea. That's not as attractive, it's still cool, but I've got a better idea now. That's what happens when you steal from many. You get a better idea than just looking at the one thing. Creating a brand manual. So a brand manual, um, if you like put in big brands, like put in like Pepsi brand manual, Orange Theory brand manual, or brand code, you will see, and this is everything from, you know, what the stationery should look like, who's your ideal client, what are the, the icons and logos you'll use? How do you use them? How do you not use them? You ever have a coach? You give a coach that, hey, that's my social media marketing manager. No, that's a fucking 15 an hour coach you have. They just give the passwords to your social media and told them to post twice a week. And they start posting and guess what? It looks different than when you were doing it. It's not consistent. Again, now you're telling a fucked up different story. Maybe not a bad story, but it's not what you, maybe you were putting out when you were doing the social media. You don't have a consistent guideline for how this should be done. We literally have ways you cannot post Urban Movement's logo. Like, where you can't do it. If you guys notice, I've got this like box thing, right? It's breaking out of the box. It's like a throwback to me and my transition and all that from CrossFit. If that box was flipped or the hole was at a different spot, Deuce, who's my social media manager, he would have me in his ass so quick. But he knows better because we've literally sat down and talked about the intricate details. So if I'm looking at Iron Bridge, and then you know, one day Donnie comes and someone's come up with a, a bright purple and neatly lime green version of it, he should probably be pissed off because black and red is very apparent in here. And he's probably worked really hard to make black and red the signature colors of this place. Don't you dare go fucking with my logo and putting lime green and whatever on it. Maybe St. Patrick's Day. Put a rainbow over it for pride, I don't care, for that, those couple little instances, but you have got to have some kind of a brand manual to be able to go back to and say, is this on brand? Do we talk like that? Urban Movement doesn't swear. You don't see fucks in Urban Movement's copy. Now, what the fuck, Jim Talk, you see it. And I'm at the helm of both of those brands. Two different voices. Two completely different voices, okay? Now, marketing. 
Marketing is when we, are, we have the specific strategy with a specific ROI. We can get in the KPIs and you know, your CAC, client acquisition cost, your CPMs, your cost per 1,000 eyeballs on a, a piece of creative that you run through Facebook or Instagram. Very specific goals with marketing versus branding, what I was talking about, but I believe brand over everything. I think marketing is a tool you're gonna use, you're gonna have to. And marketing is not an, is not an expense, it is an investment. You have to spend money. If you're not running ads on Facebook now for brand awareness to get out in front of people, you will lose on a long enough timeline. No one here that says, fuck you and your fucking Facebook ads, I will not see you around in 10 years. I promise you. I will not. The days of Glassman, you know, if you build it, they will come, 2008 scene, you know, your clients will grab their friends by their ears and drag them in. That's not happening anymore. How many of you guys get 10 referrals a month? How many of you get five referrals a month? How many of you get two maybe referrals a month? Well, it's, it's, they're not bringing them in like that anymore. That's not how referrals work. Referrals are passive, they're not active. So you have got to be everywhere. You've got to be so often. I've got, Jess here was my uh, main female actress lead in a video we've been running. That video now has damn near 50,000 fucking views. There are people like, oh yeah, no, I saw that video of yours. And I'll ask them, oh, cool, when'd you see it? I don't know, like months ago. If I see it, I don't know, I probably see it a couple times a week. Cool. Why'd you wait six months to come in? Ah, I'm busy. I just moved. My girlfriend, me, we got a dog. People are fucking busy. They're not gonna see one post one time or drive by your building one time and be like, ah, oh, there's a gym there. Johnny, there's a gym there. Let's go check it out. No, they're fucking busy. 86,400 fucking seconds in a day and you might, you might get one of those seconds. One where they, oh, cool, let me check. Oh shit, light turned green. There goes your, it's gone. There's your, there's your opportunity, you just fucking went away. I've talked about this, there's a product, some, uh, a, a bike that I just bought. I've been thinking about this bike for fucking months. They text me, I filled out a lead form, a fucking lead magnet form months ago. They hit me over and over and over and over and I'm, like, I'm, I'm gonna get on that, I really want that. Oh my God, that green one looks amazing, I'm gonna get on that. It took me eight months to buy the fucking thing. You guys have leads in your pipeline that you haven't been calling back because you called twice, you text and they never, they never text me back. Till they die, buy, or tell you to go fuck yourself. You continue following up. Don't be harassing, be pleasant, but they gave you their information for a reason. You guys, marketing is something you have to invest in. And if you're not doing it on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff right now, you will not be able to do it for long. You'll decide to come to the table and play and you're like, oh fuck, that's how much it costs to get in? I can't do that. So again, I hope you get into it while it's cheap. Um, this is generally, I'm not gonna get into my marketing funnel, that would be a six, that's a six hour fucking uh, course. If you have questions on that, all that stuff, shoot me a DM afterwards, but you start organic, everything for free because we all don't have a lot of money to spend on ads. Then we go to paid branding where we're not going for name, email, and phone number, and then we go to paid marketing where we are going for name, email, and phone number, and that is the funnel. It is very fucking simple. It is just, it's easy, and so let me think about this. It's simple, not easy. A lot of work goes into it, especially that top of the funnel, the organic one. A lot, a lot of weekends spent not doing your two Saturday classes and then going home. A lot of weekends spent getting out in the community. So I wanna cut into the big one, PT first, the second one, PT first versus straight to class. This is one where you guys have got to figure out where you're gonna go on this. You gotta pick one. Anyone that used to do the on-ramp, on-ramp model? Anyone ever call it an on-ramp? Right, something like that? Okay, that was started by Nikki Violetti way back in the day. Her and, anyone know Rob Wolf? 
Rob Wolf, Paleo Solution Guy, NorCal Strength and Conditioning, I think was his original one. His wife has a business blog, it's still on the internet. Again, going back to knowing your fucking history, go and study her business blog. Nikki Violetti, they created the on-ramp on that blog. You can go back and read it, and I bet you a lot of you guys have actually been doing it. That on-ramp doesn't work. It's got hard stop times and start times that aren't convenient for people. Only at certain times that it works for the gym owner because that class is that or they have another coach. It's not convenient in a world where I can push a button on my phone and have Postmates fucking deliver me anything I want at any goddamn time. You cannot be making people wait to get started next week's on-ramp or when Coach Johnny's available next Thursday. They want to get started now, take it because buying fitness is emotional, not rational. Any of you fuckers move to Charlotte, North Carolina, you will probably go looking for a gym. You'll probably even pick where you live near the gym you want to join because you're rational about your fitness. The majority of the market is not. They're emotional. Don't think they're making common sense decisions. They're making emotional ones. Sally was on the park with little Timmy and little Timmy's friend came over and says, you have a fat mommy. Sally passed your gym, did a fucking Yui, pulled the fuck in and said, I want to fucking join today. Yeah, well, our next on-ramp starts in four weeks. Nope, good, go out of business, you deserve it. Um, pick one, PT first, straight to class. I've made enough content on the ins and outs of PT first, just Google it, search it, straight to class is pretty, pretty basic, what a lot of you guys are doing. They come in, try the class, did you like the class? Let's get you started. I switch, I was PT first, and I switched to straight to class for the, the franchise and rep, rep, the ability to replicate an urban movement model, I had to go straight to class. And they go smaller, I had to go straight to class. There are limitations and things like that, but I want you guys to understand the math when it comes to the two of these, okay? Um, PT first, the good sides, you get more point of sale cash, meaning you're making more money up front because they have to buy PT. Should be expensive, okay? Generally, you're looking for PT to be between 35 to 45% of what you charge monthly. So if your EFT is around 200, your personal training should be around 70 bucks a session. Ballpark. Again, market the market, but I guarantee you there's a PT studio around here charging more than what most of you guys are in your markets. If you went and researched personal training, you're probably seeing higher prices than what you're charging. Um, the cons of it, it requires way more manpower. It requires people and requires hours. That is the biggest bottleneck to the whole thing. Um, it's, uh, it's a higher barrier to entry because cash is the biggest and ultimate barrier to entry to getting started. Um, but if you can keep it in line, again, $200 a month membership, $70 PT, that makes sense. There's nobody that's like, oh yeah, I'll totally buy that PT. $200 a month, I can't afford that, and vice versa. As long as the economics and the percentages are close, don't have a $200 gym membership and $40, a month, or $40 an hour PT. Those two things don't connect. That person might do the PT and then can't afford the membership Sorry, or vice versa. I'm having trouble hearing you. Shut up, bitch. All right. Sorry. Um, straight to class pros, low barrier to entry, allows for higher volume, it's easier to market. Come on in and get started. Free week, free class, whatever. It is easier to market. Um, the cons, retention's crap on it. It's not great. You can still live off of it. You just have to have a higher volume of client acquisition. So there's pros and cons to both of these, okay? Which is best for yours? If you can answer all these questions that I have up here and you can answer yes, probably should go PT first. If you use one of those tools that are seven feet long and you have fucking rings hanging up and a 15 foot rope to climb and um, you do competitions, you should probably do a PT first. It's ethically probably wrong to take Sally, who's never touched a barbell, and tell me you're gonna teach her an overhead squat on the first day. Shut the fuck up. It's fucked up too. It really, like you're giving the rest of, rest of you guys a bad name. Stop that. Um, if you can answer yes to these questions, you might be better for a straight to class model. You're probably looking for more volume based. I got to spend time out in uh, San Diego hanging out with Jason Kalipa in his NC Fit locations 
and they go 100 members to 1,000 square feet. That's, but that's, I mean, look at orange theory. Orange theory is probably 2,000, or I'm sorry, it's probably 200 to 300 members for 1,000 square feet. I know it seems insane. It's not. They just, it's funny. A lot of you guys, everyone see what we did with, we took the small barbells, and now when I see the big barbells, and I was watching these girls lift, their hands are here, and there's all this fucking wasted space. And then on the collar, there's fucking nine inches of wasted space on each side. No motherfuckers in your gym are using the whole goddamn collar. Got people repping out 405. Shut the fuck up. Like, make it smaller. And then you don't have to fucking freak out. Like, our class is so big, Stu, I can't fit more people in here. Why do you waste all this space with this equipment? You know how much a five foot bar, how, do you know how much a five foot long barbell is? $65. Booyah, bitches. Amazon Primed, 24 of them. They were there in two days. Didn't pay shit for shipping. $64 a barbell. But does it have good whip? Who gives a fuck? I'm trying to run an effective space. And like in a competition like this, that's why Roe came out with the competition barbell. It's shorter. It takes up less space. 99% of your clients don't need more than two plates on a bar. So just something to think of when some of you guys are growing. We'll talk about it on the operational capacity side. Math will set you free, guys. This is just some run through and some examples of what PT first looks like versus straight to class. Again, like I said, you make more cash up front with PT first. Most of that cash should be going to your coaching staff for, for executing the PT. PT first is great because it gives you a huge bump in payroll without an expense to the business. Let's say it's a $70 session. Let's say you go like you're a fan of two brains model, the four nines model, 45% of that money goes to the coach. You still get 30%. It's free money. Money that the business is not, there's constraints on the business with it because now you tied up a human, you had the market for it, blah, 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 but it's still money going to the business, but the coach gets the most, 45%. Um, PT first, you gotta assume 125 square feet per person. I don't know if I don't know if Donnie figured this out when he was doing his, you know, planning this out. But when you take a, when you got that barbell in hand, it's generally around 125 square feet per person in a CrossFit workout. I've done this blue tape thing more times than I can count to figure out where that space was, how much space a barbell type model takes up. And especially if I'm here and then I have to travel there, and then I have to go over there to kick up to a handstand push-up, fuck. How many people are we able to get into the building at one time? Um, a straight to class, you, if you, again, if you're just using that barbell model, 125, but generally, like at Urban Movement, we're at uh, 48 square feet per person. Is that how big your boxes are? Yes. We, we created boxes, pretty much kind of very similar to what, we had, what he has here, numbered. They pick a spot on the app before they go in, like a spin class. If you've ever taken a spin studio class or you've ever gone to Orange Theory and they've put you on a, you know, or Barry's boot camp where you get set to a certain, uh, treadmill, very similar. Um, but yeah, operational capacity, guys, is one of the things you all need to start analyzing. You gotta start analyzing how many people you can fit in the building. We're gonna get more into OpCap in a second. First day experience is PT first, 30 minute consultation. You've gotta do it. Do not think you're gonna sell PT first with a 15 minute conversation, slap them with a waiver, get them, you know, you've got to spend the time to get to know them if you wanna extract hundreds and hundreds of dollars from them. Okay, my goal is this not to make this a sales seminar, but just to realize PT first takes up just a little bit more time than straight to class. When you really get into the sales process, it's only about 15 extra minutes. You make 3x more money. So I'm a huge fan of PT first for CrossFit gyms. Um, 
The biggest thing with PT first, you gotta overcome intimidation. You guys have all done that thing with that new person in class where you gave them the barbell and a set amount of weight or a certain weighted med ball and halfway through the workout, you're like, oh, you know, let's, let's take those off and you're peeling fucking plates off and putting something lighter on or let me give you this lighter med ball. I overshot it. You OD'd them. Do you know why they didn't fucking come into your gym in the first place? They didn't come into your gym for eight goddamn months? Cause they thought they weren't fit enough to do your thing. And there you are, not knowing what the fuck you're doing, over prescribing them, cause you don't know dick about them, and you just confirmed everything they fucking thought was true. I'm not fit enough, he had to go get a lighter weight in front of everybody. Oh yeah, nobody here cares, fuck off they don't. People acknowledge it, and even if not, I tell the gym owner, it's generally the male gym owner, the women are way better at this, go take a yoga class, you guys are all fit dudes, but if I put you in a yoga class right now and they said warrior three, you'd fucking wobble all over the place, you wouldn't know the lingo, you'd feel like an asshole, and that feeling in your gut as a fit person, you'd really get a feel for what Sally feels when she comes in and you put her in group class, and then you have to run in the middle of the workout, and no squat to this thing. I would train my guys at Urban Movement to go the opposite way, deuce. Give her no med ball. Have her do the air squats. Dude, I think she can totally do them. Fuck off, I don't care. Give her no med ball and then five minutes and be like, dude, Sally, you were so much stronger than I thought. Here, hold this 10 pound med ball. Go the opposite direction, okay? Straight to class, just make sure they get it. Urban movements, we're still refining and refining and refining, but they need to understand before the workout starts what's about to happen, why we do it this way, and they already need to be talked about membership. They need to get it much quicker than a PT first model. PT first model can take a longer time because there's all these movements you have to learn and all that shit. Operational capacity. Um, microeconomics for the win here. So this is my biggest, this would be my biggest push in content all year. Talking about the microeconomics of the gym. Back in the day, the what do you bench of the fitness industry was how many members you got? How many members you got? That doesn't mean dick. It doesn't mean a thing. And then we got a little more sophisticated and we got to like, what's your profit margin? I heard a video where someone said that and I want to sound smart, so I'll ask you what your profit margin is. What is your EBITDA? We got a little sophisticated. We still haven't distilled it down to this. This is all you have. This right here is all you have. Who here uses uh, Zen Planner? Wattify, Tribe, all these fucking companies. They will allow you to charge and run a million credit cards if you wanted. You're not limited in the amount of transactions you can make, you're limited in the amount of fucking people that can stand on this goddamn floor in a given hour. Guess what, you decided to do group fitness. So you have two to three hours in the morning to make money and about two to three hours in the evening to make money and you might hit the right demographic and avatar where you get a couple of those afternoon times. That's fucking it. Schematics for different orange theories and Barry's boot camps. Graphic designs done by you know, um, architects and engineers as to how to fit the most amount of people in a space very efficiently. This is all stuff that the gyms that are really thinking this through are retro, like myself. I didn't think it through in the beginning. I did it post. They we're putting time and energy and effort into understanding how many people can we fit in here, the science and the math of it. You guys have all your fucking hatch squat cycle knowledge and fucking 82% of my one arm shut the fuck up. Tell me how much money you generate per class. I bet you if I went around this room, that would be a hard number for you to truthfully pull out. My average revenue per class is this. That'd be a hard number for you to pull out because it's microeconomics and nobody wants to talk about it. Um, operational capacity, when we're looking at three different aspects here, the total number of clients you can service per class, the revenue per class per member, and then how layout and flow logistics impact that number. I don't want you to have to get bigger buildings like we talked about earlier. It's expensive to move. 
Even if you get a better rental rate at the, you know, you knock, you know, Donnie knocks down this fucking bay and gets a bigger spot. That's not the name of the game. It isn't grow, 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 grow. Yay, we made it. Raise expenses, raise expenses, raise expenses. That's not the model. You want as fixed low expenses as possible if you want to take home a fucking paycheck from this thing and you want to slap braces on your kid and you want to be able to go away for a fucking weekend. You got, you got to realize you can't always be growing bigger. Kalipa, same, like Jason shut down his, and I, I use Jason because I've got to know him intimately and his locations and he's revered as the, this CrossFit God because of what he's done. He's, it's amazing, his brand. They shut down their largest facility. Shut it down, it was by the airport. Too big, smaller, they're going smaller. Come to Jesus Calculator. This is where I fucking, I, I, I ruin your night, okay? This is where I ruin your night, okay? I want you to take this back to your place and you're gonna run your numbers through here, but as an example, these are the three different models. Yoga and spin, boot camp or a, a barbellless model, and then a CrossFit or a barbell intensive model. Those are the square footage, uh, you know, um, allowances in each of those. When we run that through in a typical 3,000 square foot facility, that, or the, that's the average number, close enough members in a class that can fit, all right? If I went ahead and assumed that your average revenue per class is like 15 bucks, because maybe you're charging 150 a month, um, this is how much you can make per class. There's a spin studio in my building. When her class sells out, she can make $700 for that class. 600 square feet. 24 square feet, 24 square feet per person. Now let's go ahead and assume that you offer 30 classes per week and you sold out every fucking class, which you won't, which you won't. That's how much money you can make per week, per model. You can see that CrossFit model down there, they're, uh, they're coupon clipping. They're having to really watch the money. The other models, it's, it's no joke, like, like how the fuck is core power yoga? Like how are they opening so many locations? They understand the physical limitations of their space and how much money they can make. That's it, this is a giant rag. How much can you squeeze out of it while still delivering the level of fitness that, you, that is respectable for you? So if you tell me, fuck you, there's no way to deliver fitness without that seven foot barbell and muscle ups, and I say, that's fine, charge more. Because if you can only run 15 people per class and you're only gonna make $7,650 per week, you've got some serious financial come to Jesus moments you need to have with yourself, your staff, your spouse, your kids. You've got to run the numbers, guys. Um, eh, 50 business weeks in a year, there's some numbers for what you could look to make in a year, right? It's pretty, I mean, again, this is not, this is not a microscopic look at this, I call it more of a meso look, but it is very indicative of what is true. I've ran this by like the alchemy guys, people in the yoga industry, very similar. They just fit more people into a class at a better revenue point, but with a fitness model that they truly believe in, okay? Um, I've got a piece, I wanted to put it in here, I, I, we wouldn't be able to fit it in, but it's, it's technically called you know, simplifying, simplifying your fitness. And um, I truly believe a lot of you guys are so deep in this CrossFit thing that you have snow blindness, you're in love with the fitness methodology, it is not necessarily a one-to-one -one from a business model perspective. Just because you can do snatches and overhead squats and muscle ups, doesn't mean it's the best business practice. Doesn't mean you have to get rid of it. I'm not, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not trying to make you urban movements and metabolics. 
but I do want you to realize that a lot of the things that while you're sitting here today, if you were all making the money you wanted, you'd be out fucking downtown staying at the Bohemian and having a great fucking night. But probably you're here because you want to learn, you want to grow, you want to make more money, you want to do different things. And I'm telling you, I think a lot of us are too romantic about the fucking fitness program we deliver because we like doing it ourselves. That's the biggest thing at Urban. You will not find me or Deuce or Isaac or Jenna or anyone doing, doing Olympic weightlifting. It's not like everyone's like, it's, yeah, but Stu probably does fucking CrossFit still in the afternoons. No, we literally do our classes, that is it. But we truly believe in that fitness model and the style we created. Truly believe in it head to toe. I will take a bullet for it. So if you can't distill yourself from that, you, you, you're not gonna change the fitness model. Please change the economics. Go back to the come to Jesus calculator and realize you have to raise rates. That's the only thing. Or you have to fit more people in the gym, which means you have to change equipments. That's, that's it, it's the only option. There is no secret, there's nothing else. That's why like, I, you know, a lot of the other guys in this space, they give gym owners advice, they've all got these hacks and how I'm gonna do it. Like, no, it's two things. It's how many people can you fit in here and what can you charge? That's it, there's nothing else. There's not a single other thing. Deliver a level of fitness that you believe in, that you think is truly gonna satisfy the, what the avatar looks for, and that's it. And so it's two very, very simple pieces. Um, you can still deliver constantly varied functional movements at high intensity without sacrificing operational capacity. Get into stations. A lot of the gyms, uh, anyone come to my self, the, the self-made summit? Boom. Okay. I did a self-made summit, this big fucking thing. I had the alchemies of the world, the metabolics, Steve Pinkerton, if you've ever been to Vitality Fitness up in Concord, North Carolina. Had those guys all out and had them talk about how they maximize and how they've changed the layout and they still are able to deliver a, a fitness without you know, sacrificing you know, op cap. It's totally doable and like, I look at this place, you're, you're, you're well on your way. Like, I would really look next time when you guys do a competition and really look at how could I recreate the efficiency I had here today and even better, every day, every fucking day. You'll make more money because you'll be able to fit more people in class. You might make changes in the equipment and stuff that you guys are utilizing. But I truly believe uh, from where I stand and what I see guys, the biggest changes in the micro gym industry I think uh, I should get, should have had an Amazon affiliate link to tighten barbells or short barbells. I got gym owners sending me DMs and they're like, this thing's fucking great. That five foot barbell I have holds 315 pounds. Takes up less space, costs 65 fucking dollars. How many fucking hundreds of thousands of dollars of barbells do you have? It's just little things like that, squat racks. Like you get into stuff and you start looking at what is really efficient use of my time and what can I break from my my obsession with fitness as a practice and a methodology versus what I want to do for a business. And again, don't break it. You believe in a lot of this stuff, then stick with it because you do not want to run a business you don't believe in. That is just, you're going to ask for burnout. But when push comes to shove, and daddy, why can't we go to Disney this year? I don't know, maybe you shouldn't fucking have a giant squat rack or pull-up rig in the middle of the fucking floor and fit an extra 25 people in. Your fucking kid to Disney. So it's stuff like that that I, you know, again, that's where the aggressive element of what I do comes in. But I, I truly believe it. I think everyone is going to be going smaller. They won't go bigger. That, that little big, small, big, small, big, it's, it's going to be small for a while. It's going to be very small for a while. We're going to go leaner, less equipment. You're going to find ways to deliver fitness that don't involve the speed. You're going to get into things like tempo. A lot of people, if you've been to Urban Movement, we do everything at tempo. Everything. I walk in here on thruster day. And it's fucking ape shit. Try selling a prospect, you know, fucking Sally on thruster day then. Come to Urban Movement, down in three, 
hold for five, up in three, hold for five, down. You're like, ugh, that sounds miserable. I don't know, I get a lot of time to fix people's bottom of their squat. People don't have to go as heavy. Sally comes in and sees them all fucking moving like Nazi soldiers. She's like, dude, this is like synchronized. This looks, okay, tell me more. She's not scared the second she sees it. First impressions matter. CrossFit, fucking screen door in a hurricane. It's fucking aggressive. You guys have just got to, again, change the optics. How many of you guys have been to Hilo? Raise your hand if you've gone and visited Hilo. Raise your hand if you're in this area within a one hour drive here, you've never been to Hilo. Raise your hand if you've never been to Hilo. You lazy fucks. Go and see what other people are doing. I'm not telling you to do Hilo, I'm telling you to go experience something else. Go take an F45 class, go take an Orange Theory. You're gonna walk away, not with how do I do it like them, you're gonna walk away with reaffirming why you do it a certain way, or fuck, that was intelligent, I need to steal that. Everyone's waiting for the guy to stand up, whether it's fucking Coop, Kalipa, me, Bergeron, whatever, and tell you this is how you do it. I'm telling you, the way you're doing it could work at the right price point. My belief is that you need to reevaluate a lot of the basics that I think you're just too romantic about. And, and again, that's when you go see other things, you walk into a high low and you're like, what the fuck? People buy into this shit? What about uh, in Atlanta? What's the, f um, Lit. Ever been to Lit in Atlanta? What do you think lit is? Well, what's hit? Lit. Low impact and intensity training. Fucking kills. One plus one, fucking 11. That's all it is. Look at that, find yourself, find your niche, that area in the market. And uh, guys, that's my number. Shoot me a text anytime. Email me anytime. I'm uber responsive with it to an annoying level, to an absolutely annoying level. But, um, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate you guys sitting out here and let me get my soapbox and, uh, and jamming with you. I'll be around, we'll jam, hit some questions and all that before I head out, but uh, thank you guys so much, I appreciate it. Yeah. Q&A? Y'all got any questions? You gotta have a fucking question. 30% would be an A plus. 30% would mean your retail is fucking banging. 30% would mean that you are, um, you're probably still in it. Like when I say probably, like you're probably still, um, you're probably still extracting somewhat of a paycheck from it if you're not completely removed. Um, but 30% would be a banging. I see low 20s in CrossFit gyms, low 20s. Alchemy 365 is honestly the only one I've ever seen sustain over 30% is because their retail kills. Yeah, for those new boxes you put in in your gym, do your clients just stay in those boxes the whole class, or how does that work? Yeah, so the, we have a, an in-place model, just like yoga and spin. The only time they leave is they go to the erg, the, an area where we have ergs or other equipment like ballistic blocks, plyo block boxes, whatever that's being used, and it's literally a lateral side-to-side -side movement. They go where there's a seven-foot lane, they go down the lane, they go to their thing, they come back. It's a 12-erg model for a 24-person class. What was the response on it? Do you like it? <laughs> um, yeah, so a little bit about me. Hey guys, I'm Jess, um, girlfriend and also former, like first time client. CrossFit was my home and I moved to a new area um, in Charlotte, looking for a gym, found Stu's. So he's made a ton of changes since I joined um, when the boxes were on the floor. I think there was a sense of obviously like, what the fuck just happened? Um, but now people love it. You get your space, you know exactly where you're going to be that day. Um, from an operational capacity perspective, like we, I've seen fuller classes with the new model. Um, 
it, it just makes it cleaner. Um, and then, like you said, you get out of your box, you know exactly where you're going back. Everybody's kind of systematic in the way they move now. Um, so you get through your workout faster. Like I can do more rounds of whatever we're doing because I know exactly where I'm supposed to be instead of bumping into whoever's around me, trying to figure out where my, you know, when, we, when he had the open model, like somebody stole your med ball. <clears throat> now I'm standing there waiting for my med ball. So, um, yeah. yeah. And she's got a really interesting, so she's been an Alchemy 365 client when she lived in Minneapolis, a CrossFit client, you know, and then obviously with Urban Movement. So I, you know, I always lean on clients and people and gym owners, again, who have other experiences and want to always take from them. And, but here's one thing I'll tell you guys, don't tomorrow or next week call Signs RX and have, have my boy Rob to come out and put some squares on your floor like Urban did. You'll fucking, you'll, you'll lose a lot of clients real quick. 2014, first year I started ripping away the CrossFit Band-Aid. 2014, got rid of the RX. Started doing things different. Started using different lingo. 2015, we continued. 2016, 2017, the rig goes away. Fucking ropes go away. Urban movement is here. And still, from 2017 to today, 2020, I'm still making changes. It's a slow drip when you rebrand or reposition. That's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, I, it went over very well. We make changes at Urban Movement, minimal feedback. Minimal, no one, like little baby chirps. Like, ah, oh, you took the rings a little bit higher. I can't jump, like, whatever. Sorry, what do you mean the rig went away? I don't have a pull-up rig, but we do pull-ups three, four times a week. You don't have a rig, yeah. but you do pull-ups. Correct. And how do you do that without a rig? Rings. Rings, okay. Yep. Right. Rings are better. They don't rip your hands. They look better. They don't take up any floor space. It looks different. I did. I used to have the hanging, like again, faster. One of the first equipment companies had hanging pull-up bars. That, but they were, we have them because they're four feet long. Too much space. Rings are 16 inches apart. Operational capacity. I love the hanging pull-up bars, though, because for all your fucking clients that like hip-kip their way on the pull-up bar and you look at it and you just have a fucking, like, you're just like, you're going to give me a brain you know, aneurysm watching you do that. Anyone who tries to, they don't kip with their shoulder blades on those hanging pull-up bars, they can't. You just swing like an asshole. And you're like, hey, maybe you should, like I told you, learn how to do a strict pull-up. And they're like, yeah, okay. But it, it eliminates the shitty kipping where you're like, oh, don't put that on Instagram. That's great. So two questions, follow-up about that. So for folks that maybe want to do competitions yes. are doing now ring pull-ups, how Nobody wants to do a competition. For my model, nobody's doing a competition yet. There is, yeah, yeah, correct. Completely different avatar. I get CrossFitters who are tired of doing CrossFit. Okay. I get people from Orange Theory who want to take the next step. CrossFit is not a logic jump. Yeah. You will get some. That's my avatar. We get my CrossFitters all left. So if you can imagine in the course of a month, 40 plus people leaving your gym, it stings, hurts the pocket, yeah. right? It's staying you know, a little bit here. You have some sleepless nights. It's like, oh, that sucks. I really like that person. But um, yeah, I would, t I would tell again, that's why I don't push urban movements thing on people because I don't think it would work for CrossFit gyms. I think there's some elements like organization and the operational capacity and the shorter barbells and some stuff, but you know, if you're making money and you're doing good and your people love the back squat, do it. We don't back squat. You can't, you, then, then you're Porsche with the SUV and the, the sports car. I've got people like, I'm trying to be CrossFit fuck off and I want to be urban movement on the side of my building. I'm like, just pick one or just own one business and go on the other side of town and start another business. That's what Alchemy did. They kept their CrossFit gyms amazing CrossFit gyms, three of the largest in that state. They kept them and they just went and did this alchemy thing and they sold them profitably because they were good gyms and good businesses. So how, how's that the big trend right now? 
Why is it? Yeah, like how is it? CrossFit slash hit style. You mean like gyms that are like doing like, uh, like CrossFit, Iron Bridge, and then they have Iron Bridge Boot Camp? Because I think that's what everyone thinks is what's going to work. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm not a huge fan of it because I don't want to go to Chipotle and have someone trying to sell me hamburgers. I want to go to one business that has one consistent focus message. I do one consistent focus thing. They do it better than anybody, and that's it. But that's a gym owner. Like All those gyms, if you have a boot camp, I promise you, you're probably doing it because you didn't make enough money with your CrossFit thing. You probably don't love the boot camp thing as much as you love the CrossFit thing but you're looking for more money. You're looking to go to a bigger part of the market. Oh, I'd like to tap into that market. Why? Well, I don't know CrossFitters. Why don't you? Because you're just not doing a good enough job storytelling. Bottom line. Plenty of CrossFitters out there. You guys see them, they're here. Plenty of people want to go through pain in a workout. Go do a fucking uh, a Reebok Spartan race. All those fuckers are made of the same and cut from the same cloth for the most part as your ideal CrossFit clients. They like pain and tribal mentality. They like doing the unconventional. But you want to go fuck with like Hilo's clients, or you want to like make a boot camp for the moms. Like, well, I want the moms who are afraid of CrossFit to come into CrossFit and see CrossFit, but not do CrossFit because they have this other thing. It's fucking insane. Steve Pinkerton is one of the few guys that did it because he has 20,000 square feet. He can create completely separate client experiences. I've got gyms that are this size that tell me, oh, no, no, my CrossFit's over here. And then, well, there's some boxes in the middle. And then we do our fluffy muffin boot camp over here. It's two fucking crazy different things happening. It's fucking, it just doesn't make sense. People don't, some people will go through it, but I've not met anyone yet that's got that bootcamp thing that did not truly make it a completely separate brand that had it pop. It just becomes a shitty class on their schedule. Why don't this offer different modes of the same workout at different scaled rates? And I mean, scalability. Yeah. Ben Bergeron, um, I mean, he offers three different levels in his. Fuck yeah. I, I mean, with that, I mean, not to come up with a dick, but I mean, no, I want you to. How, how, as far as why were you unsuccessful with CrossFit outside of you know, yeah, a beating about other gyms doing it wrong? And I get that, I, yeah, I hate it having to say we're not the fucking CrossFit gym across the street, yeah, because we have them literally. I get a golf ball, I suck at playing golf, yeah, I get a golf ball to it, yeah, yeah. across the street. And it's a bad, you're saying it's a bad representation, right? And I get that, I hate that. Like, I unbranded, so sure. I have um, three CrossFit gyms. I unbranded with Fitness 535, completely went away from that, and then re-affiliated, re yep. um, sold one, re-affiliated, and I, I get it. Like, I, I understand that side of it because yeah. I, I walked away from CrossFit, but still offered CrossFit. Correct. As soon as I took the name down, I mean, we grew significantly, and then I just rebranded right back into CrossFit with the because you, your core values and who you are, you truly, like, when you look across, you're like, that's something I can get behind, right? Personally, like, as a, per, as a human I being. Like their model, but I yeah, not HQ. Model, yeah. But yeah, yeah, so I couldn't. My, CrossFit South End, phenomenal business. My life was so much easier than my life is now. An amaz I literally, if I had to look at one more girl cry come fucking February, because someone in goddamn Montana beat her in a fucking magical workout. I was going to kill people. I, I, like, I just couldn't stand the woman who came in telling me all I want to do is just lose some weight and meet some people. I just moved to Charlotte from New York and then she's fucking bitching and whining because, no, but she's going faster. And I'm like, what did I do? I took a fitness program and I meshed it with a sport for the fittest in the world and I told myself a fucking lie that no, they're separate. I can separate them. No, I fucking can't. ESPN says one thing. I'm saying a fucking other. That's why.
I'm gonna create something no one can fuck up for me, but me. I had a model where I wanted the franchise. I don't wanna sell memberships anymore, I wanna sell business models. And so that's where I changed it. For you guys that are CrossFit gyms, CrossFit Grandview is a client of mine, Columbus, Ohio. I don't know if anyone's ever been there. Plenty of money in CrossFit gyms, plenty. Go to CrossFit Grandview's website. It's a picture of a shirtless dude with his foot on a barbell, like 225, and it just says like, the best CrossFit in Columbus, or we do CrossFit better than anyone in Columbus. He's fucking Captain Morganing that goddamn barbell. That's a clear goddamn message. I've been to his gym. Young, short, shirtless, Ohio State and Columbus State kids all thinking they're gonna, you know, f fuck Froning. Like, that's it. That's his brand. He doesn't have fluffy muffin boot camp. He just does that. I think it's when we get, again, inconsistent, when Porsche tries to do the SUV that we get a little, ugh, that's when it, that's when it breaks. I mean, you took a 40 member hit when you, when you. Yeah, more than that was just in the first month. Yeah. Right, so I mean, like, how did you take that 40 member, like, did anyone here lose 40 members? I mean, like, yeah. a 40 member hit, like, ugh. Yeah, financially it sucked. I mean, check for ID is gonna become a friend. I know. You know like, I, um, I, uh, I knew what we were going to, in 2014, I started making the moves. In 2015, I started What the Fuck Gym Talk. What the Fuck Gym Talk. There were months where it had to be a bank for urban movement. Like, oh, fuck, we need to buy all this stuff, but it doesn't fit in our budget. Boom. Like, that's why I tell people, rebranding, like true rebranding, not just changing the name of the building. And the, that, like true rebranding, what I did is operationally and name-wise. It's, like it's like a sex change. Repositioning is just changing the outfit. You're still the same person. I tell people really consider rebranding. It's not pretty. It's fucking a bloodbath. I don't, I don't want people, I, my thing is don't rebrand. Do what you're doing better. Do it better, don't rebrand. Cause you might, cause if you can't take the 40, if you don't have the cash in the bank, you can't take that 40 member hit, don't do it. Cause it might not be 40, it might be 10 and then 15 and then three. Oh, and then 15 cause that one influential client finally had enough shit. You know, she doesn't like the fact that you took the barbell out of the 6.30 AM class and she fucking told Sally and then they all left at once. Like we all we've all seen that happen inside the CrossFit gym. So I tell people, don't rebrand. This is not what this is. This is not a rebranding pitch. Even the self-made summit was a don't do it. Unless you really, really don't align with it like I did. I do not align with CrossFit, not CrossFit HQ, my CrossFit South and what I created. It's not CrossFit's fault. It's not any of your faults. Or the CrossFit gym down the street doing shit. My brand, what I created, I looked at and said, I don't like that anymore. So you ever look at your kid, you're like, God, my kid's such a shithead. I just smother her. Just start over again. That's what I did. I just fucking held its head in the water long enough till the bubble stopped coming up and started it all over again. Don't drown your kids. If we get to take something away, don't drown your kids. I had a second question. Yeah. <laughs> Only because you, you hit on Sally a lot tonight. Um, now what about the marks that come in? Yeah, and Sally is just a method, and you guys take this home for your gym. Um, in branding, there's seven elements to branding, and lexicon's one of them. You guys hear Sally, I promise you, you think of me. If you watch my vlog, and that very first beginning, that is from Lil Wayne's Uproar, what the fuck though, anytime you hear that song, you might think of me if you watch the vlog. Um, you ever hear anyone you listen to my podcast, you're just like, guys, what the fuck's up? It, you might think of me. That is branding. That's my lexicon, me just, boom, little pinpoints and stuff. People buying I Love Sally sweatshirts off my website. I'm speaking specifically in terms of gender. You're talking about the- Yeah, yeah. I've got more annoying, more, more annoying women have made impressions on me than men, probably. Well, what about the men, though, that come yeah. through the door? They yeah. They like Sally, but it's just the male version. I mean, is there a difference in terms of how you relate, how- 
we should relate to the marks that come in. No, I mean the mark Sally is representative of all the clients who are that avatar client. We want their money, but honestly, if we can make them act different, we would. Marks are a little different though. Sure. Tends to be a little bit more yeah, I like Chad. Chads are better. Chads are douchier. Chads are douchier. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, but no, you, you guys should all have an avatar. You guys all have an avatar of a client who pays you. You take the green, but you honestly, if they left, you'd fucking, you wouldn't mind. You wouldn't mind. And my recommendation is your clients, Sally and Mark and Chad, are all part of your brand. The people walking out, like I joke around, like you guys have clients that are gonna leave. <laughs> Donnie's got people that leave here, fucking knee sleeves to the ankles, fucking bloody hands, jump rope around their shoulders and walking through the grocery store looking for fucking keto food, whatever the hell, and with CrossFit Iron Bridge on the back and people are like, she smells like shit. Where, she goes to that gym, I'm not going to that gym. Clients are representative of your brand more than anything. More than anything, 100%. So then what, yeah, but no, always you guys should just truly understand that one avatar client that you have that is the kind of problematic. That's fun to talk about amongst ourselves and all that, but we all have them and it's get them out sooner than later because it always becomes toxic. And never, you never want to be beholden. You, you work too fucking hard to have a client tell, like, make your life miserable. And when you, we see them register for class, you're like, fuck me, it's been too long of a day. I cannot deal with Sally today. We've all had that client. Don't do it. You, you put too much time and effort in this thing. Don't deal with one person. 150 bucks, really? Fuck it. Kick it, you know, gently fire them. Can you talk about the microeconomics piece, though, in regards to, so you're not rebranding right away, right? But you're looking at the economics of your, of your gym. Of the per class, revenue per class, yeah. Right? So you're not, you're looking at your space, um, you got Donnie here for a second, right? Yeah. And you have 10 members in, in a class, right? Yeah. You're losing a shitload of money mm -hmm. in, in a 10 member class in this space. Yeah. So what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. So let's look at this. We're not losing money. We are not just, we're not making money. So Donnie has to figure out what step are. Anyone here ever been part of a sales team? Like you did sales at some point. You had quarterly goals, things like that. Donnie has a number. So my number is 24 people in a class. That's our, that's our gold standard. Deuce text me today. Sold that class. Had to turn two people away. Boom. Digital high fives through the iPhone. Super pumped. 24 is our number. I know if we get more and more classes with 24 people sold out, I'm making more money. Donnie's got to figure out what is his op cap. What's that number? What's he going to aim for? So he's going to spend a lot more time with blue tape and his barbells and running through different workouts and the way we do them. And the problem with CrossFitters when I talk to them about operational capacity, it's like, well, it depends on my workout. Like, that's where you're maybe seeing my frustration with some of you guys and your romance about the programming. Why don't you just program something that's super fucking consistent that you can create a business model around? Deuce writes workouts once and he's done. Like when I say once, like he writes like 50 of them and we rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat. Same thing with copy or social media. Don't make new posts, don't make new workouts. Write enough, run it for a while, update it, do it again. We write social media copy once a year. 40 pieces of copy. He rinse and repeats all 40 pieces and we add in relative ones, uh, International Women's Day, St. Patrick's Day, fucking coronavirus, whatever it is, and update it. And, but he just runs, copy and paste, copy and paste. Same with the workouts. I would be lynched if I did that. So, but here's the deal, because you have clients, so that's the thing, is because we're, we're romantic about this thing of programming. We're so obsessed with it. You have clients that are literally paying a fucking stranger in New England to write programming for them that has never fucking met them other than you. Does that not blow you the fuck away? You're the goddamn fitness pro professional, but they pay Ben Bergeron who's never seen them to write programming for them. They don't consider you a fitness professional because you don't make enough content on it. Bergeron puts out content out his ass all day. 
You don't do dick to that level. They have no reason to look at you as the authority. But I put the workout on the board and I coach them amazingly every day. You're not talking about the whys and justifying this. We have a podcast at Urban. We have a weekly blog where we justify time under tension, where we justify the lack of utilization of certain movements. Metabolic does it better than anyone. They have posts, literally, why we don't do high volume Olympic weightlifting. They justify it. Clients say, oh, that makes sense. That's all people who buy additional programming are buying from. They're buying from someone who's made the programming make more sense to them. That's what they believe in. Rudy Nielsen, if any of you guys are old school, outlaw, the outlaw way, people fucking worship that guy because he made constant YouTube videos explaining the programming. So when you would get lynched about changing that programming model, again, it would be slow and steady. You'd have lynched about the rinse and repeat the... Yeah. There's no way, if you have a client who knows that in week two of a 52-week cycle, you did X and then you repeated it on week 23 and then you repeat it on week fucking 37, then they're that fucking client that's here six days a week and hangs out for two hours afterwards. Get rid of that fucking client. It's not good for business and I know that your community and I'm telling you this right now, no successful microgym model is making money off them. The client's like, hey Donnie, I know she changed this. She's like, how the fuck? Don't you have kids and shit? Like, how did you know I changed this? Don't you have a fucking life? It's the clients that stick around for two, like we want, I tell people, my best client, eight times a month, they come in and they come out. Social as hell, friendly as fuck, they pay their bills on time, they're so pleasant with anybody, but they are high performers, they have shit to do. I first learned about this from Metabolic, sat down with them and said, who's your perfect client? They said, people that are too busy to worry about whether we change the barbells. People that are got other shit going on, that they don't know that Coach John got taken off the 6.30 p.m. class on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and I'm getting seven emails about it. People that fuck with other expensive brands, so when I raise prices $10, they don't fucking shit themselves and like murder me. High-performing clients. A lot of us feed off of people who wanna make this their fucking clubhouse. How many of you have been in this? It's dark outside, class just ended, you're trying to get the fuck home to see your kids, and you got clients who are trying to just kind of taking their time, hanging out at the fucking clubhouse, and you don't wanna be rude. He said it so well earlier today. Like when he sees the guys, we don't wanna kick you out, but we wanna kick you the fuck out. We've all been in that scenario where we've, we've had something to do. I need to go to my office and get working on that Excel sheet. I have another business thing, but Mr. Client, Sally, Mark, Chad, whatever, thinks that, oh, it's just his hangout time. And it's nothing inherently wrong with it, but it, it's not a business. Find me one other business you do that. I don't walk behind Chipotle and start fucking hanging out with the dude rolling the burritos. Like, bro, you changed your form up. Why we do that? I've been, I've been reading this burrito rolling programming over in New England, and it's way different. Like, I'm, we're, no one's doing that. It's only in these CrossFit gyms. And I think, again, community is a cop-out bullshit word. Culture is the word we should use. Swap out every time you see community for culture. We, owners, create culture that dictates who wants to become part of the community. There's no one in urban movement that is coming in and you know, breaking out fucking shoes with wooden heels in the back. They're not coming in and like talking shit on my jump ropes. They're not buying their own Oso collars because they're faster to strip off in a fucking chip. Because I created a culture where none of my clients care about that. They don't give a fuck. We don't care about it, they know, we talk like that and it creates the prereqs for who comes in. I have CrossFitters that come in and try my gym, hate it, fucking hate it. And I can tell they hate it by the end of class. I'm like, bro, listen, here's the deal. My boy's down at South Charlotte CrossFit, real competitive gym, they send kids to Wadapalooza, you're gonna love it there. I appreciate you coming in, what'd you think of this? He's like, dude, I need the, I'm like, I gotta do that thing. I'm like, cool, go there. But I'm so glad you came in. What'd you think about this though? It's cool, man, like, I'm not gonna lie, my cousin's here, he's been here for a couple of years, he won't do CrossFit, I'm gonna tell him to come here.
money. Branding, branding, branding is the thing you do consistently, good or bad. But the clients that that community thing is real interesting. You know, I've made a lot of content recently about you guys stop calling it the best hour of the day. Like this kind of just this, I want to combat this community thing. You want community, but every client cancels on a long enough timeline. That's okay. Just think of community as an extension of the culture you created. Be proud of your community. Love your community. Spend time with your community. Do shit with them. But when, the, when you complain about the community at the same time, because I still hear the same, oh, I had this coach, you know, he was my 5.30 a.m. coach, and then he left, so all the clients left with him. Ooh, where's your community then? You had a bad culture. You went absentee owner on the 5.30 a.m. so you could fucking sleep in, and that coach fucking ran the show at 5.30 a.m. He was the goddamn man. Now he fucking leaves, and all those fucking 5.30 a.m. clients go with him. Is that, is that a reality back there? Is that, is that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're able to differentiate, you can differentiate urban movement, but how does a CrossFit gym, in your opinion, differentiate itself from another CrossFit gym? That, my friend, is the million dollar fucking question. <laughs> it is. 27 gyms in Denmark and Germany, just de-affiliated. Everyone saw that? Yeah. I don't think that's going to go well. Um, but I believe it's going to exist on this, the, the, uh, changing the style of work, like going around, and again, if you just went to all the CrossFit gyms in your area and go, this is what we're all doing, make a list. These are all the things CrossFit gyms we are all doing. Like again, if a blind person or someone agnostic to the colors just came in, they wouldn't know it was any different. List all those things. And then start looking at what you can do differently. I asked CrossFit gyms, like, what is it you do so well? Why should someone choose your CrossFit gym over another? Well, we do this, the, you know, the, the coaching's really good, the programming's really good, the bathrooms are clean, I clean the floors, we have good equipment. That's expected, asshole. That's expected from you. Southwest Airlines is like, hey, fly Southwest. Our planes don't fall out of the sky. The Marriott's not going, <laughs> the Marriott's not fucking telling you like, dude, the Marriott, stay here, no bed bugs. You have to do what's unexpected. At the end of every class, Jess and everyone in my gym, boom, 10 minute post stretch, they get hit with a spa scented cold tea tree infused towel. Do you know how much fucking money and time and energy it takes for us to make sure that happens every fucking class? Do you know how many towels I go through every day? We have a sweat towel they get, they have a laundry towel for the shower, and then they have this fucking face tea tree. I want them to leave feeling better than they walked in towel. Lots of money. I have a dedicated laundry room. We go through 300 plus towels a day. Give me what it really costs you. Honestly, though, right? Initial, initial capital out of I need someone working the front desk and folding and running that stuff all day. An hour? 10 bucks an hour over the course of 10 years, like it costs a lot. Now, if we're seeing the barrier to entry that is low, then why don't we all do something dope like that? Why don't we do something to change the client experience? Do you think anyone leaves and goes to the microbrewery and hangs out with their friends and goes, oh my God, we had this awesome workout at Urban Movement at kettlebell swings and box jumps? Fuck yeah, that was awesome. No, the only thing they talk about is what we call a talk trigger. And a talk trigger is something you did that was unexpected. Everything I do is expected. Good workout, nice coaching, clean facility, nice bathrooms. The brand is your point. It, it, well, it just was unexpected. If you only do what's expected, you're fucking irrelevant. You have to do what's unexpected. Go spend more time at fucking nice uh, hotels. You can learn more, not from me, but not from any of these other guys, from the Ritz or the W than you can from anyone else in the fitness industry. Because what we need more of, I believe, to make an unexpected, scenario, a talk trigger, is it's gotta be hospitality based. We do relocation services. You move, we literally, we get on the phone, we call, we find you a gym that we believe would be good, a good fit for you. I don't have any urban movements there yet, 
but we call around, we talk to people, we talk to the owners, we send a full fucking email thread to that client with our relocation services. Just some bullshit I made up so people were just like, man, they, they really care about me going and beyond that. It's a little thing, and how much does that cost me? Nothing. Time. Like, who gives a fuck? How many of you guys bought an apartment somewhere and they're like, this is the billiards room and this is the saltwater pool and this is the feature and the amenity that you'll never fucking use but you're paying a premium for it. Features and amenities. The utilization of them is, is one thing. But um, yeah, you, we got that to go to your thing and I apologize for running around on that but it's got to be something that's unexpected. And that's for everyone to figure out. Because guess what? I've got gems like, dude, I've been doing that cold tea tree lavender towel thing. It's fucking awesome. And then I get in like a DM, maybe like months later. We kind of stopped, the girl who was doing it, whatever, couldn't show up and do it anymore, so it's inconsistent. I'm like, yeah, you just shit the bed on it. But you could steal it. It's not fucking special. That's coming up, find the unexpected. Talk Triggers by Jay Bear. Talk Triggers by Jay Bear, great book that talks about businesses that go above and beyond with the unexpected. I have a question. So do you find like with your towels, you're giving something that's unexpected. For your clients, do you find that they quickly it quickly becomes standard? Yes, 100% instantly, after the first time. Do you feel a pressure to constantly? 100%. Okay. Being cool is being authentic and doing it consistently. Every gym wants to be cool. Every gym wants to have a cool brand. Everyone would love for their clients to be like, that's the coolest gym in town. Probably the coolest gym in town. What is cool? It's being authentic and consistent with it. Little things like that, the reason it's worked for Urban is because we've never ever let the ball drop, ever. Like Facebook's biggest thing is they can never go down. Do you guys remember that? Have you ever read like the social network? They couldn't go down. Every fucking app startup, Foursquare, all these things, Twitter, we're always having crashes. Facebook's thing is it can never go down. It must always be reliable. You gotta be able to get on at 3 a.m. and 3 p.m. at Hong Kong and fucking LA. So yes, 100%, there's so much pressure on me. My washer and dryer breaks, I guarantee you wherever the fuck I am, I am now doing runs to the laundromat because client experience, brand over everything. That's everything to me. Cool. It's not bad. Um, guys, thank you again so much. If you have any other questions, again, the contact information, I'm dead serious. Shoot me a text. I will text you back. Send me an email. I will send you an email back. Be happy to answer for you. Thank you so much for coming out.